Welcome. Hi. I'm Mickey, and this is Wikipedia, where I sit down and chat to doctors, professors, athletes, practitioners, and experts in their fields related to health, nutrition, fitness, and well-being. And I'm delighted that you're here. Hey everyone, welcome back to Wikipedia. It is Mickey here, obviously, and today I'm super excited to bring to you my conversation with Sandy Kneepaver. So Sandy is an ultra runner and a running coach. She is the co-director of Higher Running, which she co-founded with her boyfriend Sage Candidate and that is their running company which they have built over the years to be super successful and supportive of runners of all abilities and budgets finding their passion and their direction in running. So Sandy and I had such a good conversation and I caught up with Sandy just in her build up to the Broken Arrow 50k that she did as a training run in the lead up to her most recent 50 miler, one of the first ultras that she's done in a while, Run the Rock, which she took out as first female and was seventh overall. So that was such an amazing result for Sandy because she has experienced you know, a number of years of just getting to the bottom of a particular injury and she's just really worked her way back to being fit and fast and strong. So um, we talk a little bit about that journey actually, in addition to her growing up as a twin, her identity as a runner as she was younger and how that has changed over time, the sliding door moment that changed the course of her life and the direction that she was taking, how she has coped with grief and you know we talk a little bit about that she's certainly had her fair share over the last few years and she's shared this with her audience so Sandy has a YouTube channel called Running Wild and I'll pop that in the show notes where she shares so much useful information on life running and life in Colorado actually in general and I just absolutely love following her channel. Also her plans with higher running her run coaching company that as I said she is a co-founder of with her boyfriend Sage Kennedy and we didn't talk about this but most recently in fact her and Sage had a devastating house fire where the apartment block where they lived burnt down in fact and so they moved out of Boulder Colorado and have very recently created a new home in Saladino so um, we didn't talk about that because that happened after our conversation but you can catch up on all of that on Sandy's YouTube channel and also her Instagram you can find Sandy over on Instagram at Sandy Nypaver that is S-A-N-D-I N-Y-P-A-V-E-R and over at Higher Running as well and on YouTube her YouTube channel is called Running Wild and there are so many great videos there for anyone who's keen on the ultra running scene and want to see what a day in the life is like living, coaching in Boulder, in Colorado and she shares some amazing tips over there. Before we jump into the podcast though, just to remind you, the recipe access is one of the best ways that you can support the podcast and you guys have been amazing. We're so thrilled with 
the uh, reviews that we've been getting and the support that we've been getting. And for $12 a month, you get access to over 600 recipes, the ability to pick my brain on anything related to your own nutrition through our online member portal. You get online written forums on a Tuesday night, pretty regular Facebook lives, and um, the nutrition support that you might be after to tweak your already awesome approach. You can sign up for that over on mickeywillardin.com and you can leave us a review on your favourite podcast platform. That would be amazing. Until then though, please enjoy my conversation with Sandy Nypaper. morning how are you I'm doing really well how are you doing very well thank you I just and I think that you'll appreciate this I just did a bit of a um, workout at home because we are currently locked down and I was training for an ultra which probably won't go ahead and then strangely as always actually you know you know the glute med muscle I'm sure you're familiar with that oh yes yeah, not that we know anything about it during running. Like, it's like we don't even have a glute meet until, of course, we get injured. And then suddenly it's like, hang on, were you switching that on? And I'm like, yeah, I'm a runner. Of course I haven't been. Um, <laughs> so, so I've been um, doing my home gym workout and uh, doing a bit of that sort of prehab, rehab stuff. How about you, Sandy? Have you been in the mountains this morning? Not today. Today was actually like a pretty flat run. I have a... Um a race next week and it's a mountain race. Um, it was a 50 K, but they just shortened the course up a little bit. So now I think it's like 45 um, K. Okay. But so I'm like kind of tapering um, at the moment. I still did like, I was kind of doing more mountainous trail runs on Tuesday and Wednesday. Um, but the next couple of days, I know I need to keep it flat now and, and hold back a little bit, which is hard because it just turned fall here. Um, the weather's still pretty nice. There's not a lot of snow in the mountains and it's like so tempting just like get up high and like soak in like these last, I don't know, you never know, um, weeks or days of, of snow-free running in the mountains. Totally appreciate that. And I, I wonder how much of that sort of pulling back and holding yourself back, I wonder how many conversations you might have with your, the people that you coach about things like that because we're so passionate about our sport, right? And for a lot of us, we do it because we just love being out amongst it. And you're always sort of fighting that voice in your head that's sort of saying, no, no, be sensible, hold back, be it because of injury, because of tapering, anything like that, versus the, but, you know, I really want to go out and just sort of get amongst it. I know. And I feel like I have a lot of pressure on myself, like to do the right thing, <laughs> to be an example <laughs> for my athletes, um, which is probably good for me to have that because like it is, it is very hard to hold back. And that is a conversation I have with some of my athletes and it's probably more my athletes who live really close to the trails or the mountains. I think mm. um, for some others, it can be easier and it's a time to like refresh and then even though like a race is coming up, it can be kind of nice to like focus on other things and get other things done during the taper time. Um, but for people like me who are like just like extremely motivated by just like going for adventures, then mm -hmm. it's like it's it's a little bit more tricky and how to tell people to hold back. Totally. And I follow your YouTube channel and I follow you on social and I love the videos that you upload because it shows such a passion for 
for the running, the sport, the for women running as well, um, but also that adventure side of it. And I find it interesting, Sandy, because you know this is what I want to talk to you about: is sort of how you developed or found that real sense of adventure and passion for the outdoors because as I understand it as you were growing up it wasn't like you were nurtured into that environment from a young age is am I right about that that's exactly right um you know my mom it was actually my mom she took us camping every now and then um but otherwise like I grew up in a town or a city called Cleveland and so it's big city but kind of like lived a little bit outside in the suburbs but like there wasn't any nature around like like I had no idea what trail running was until I was in college even just going like hiking anywhere um was just kind of odd or like the outdoor and like adventure stuff like going on like multi-day tracks like it's totally like not even my arena or something I thought about um but what actually happened was in college I had a really interesting experience where hopefully I won't make this too long. I was home for the summer, taking like summer break from college. And I actually had my alarm set to go to like this gym class like early in the morning. But for some reason, my alarm didn't go off. And I was kind of like upset at first, but then I was like, okay, I'll just do my own workout at home. And then for some reason, when I went to the bathroom to like brush my teeth and stuff, I decided to turn on the radio instead of like playing my Blink-182 CD like I was doing every morning. And this, um, these two guys came on the radio. They were being interviewed by the radio station and they were talking about this youth expedition they were putting on. Um, it was their first youth ex- expedition and they were going to the Akshay Pass in northern Canada, which is a really remote area. And they said... Um, you know, they were taking applications, but the period, like, just closed. Um, but for some reason, like, it sparked my interest, and I went to their website. I found, like, the application for this youth expedition, and I was late, but I applied anyway. And after, like, a series of interviews, um, they still ended up accepting me for this 10-day trek across the Akshay Pass in Baffin Island, Canada. And so... Um, yeah, I went on this 10-day expedition, and it, the guys were, like, a lot of, like, ultra runners, and they just told me about, like, all these adventures they went on, I was like, oh, my God, they, like, they made a life out of this, and, mm-hmm. like, I fell, as soon as, like, I, I did that trip, I fell in love with outdoors and just going on big adventures, and it really drastically changed the whole path of my life, like, it's, it's really, like, why I even went to Colorado, and and it just gave me this idea that, like, you could actually build a life off of adventure. So that's kind of why I'm, I, I am where I am now. So thank you, Impossible to Possible is the name of the organization that, that got me started. Uh, I think that is such an amazing story because I've heard you talk about it briefly prior to this. And I just thought it, it's such a sliding doors moment. Because I think, you know, that Gwyneth Paltrow movie, you know, where you know, just <laughs> one, a single second sort of changed the entire course of sort of where you were going and and potentially of course you've obviously got something inside of you that sort of made you take that chance and had that courage and potentially there would have been an opportunity later on because sometimes potentially this is you know that's just the path you were always intended to follow but I just absolutely love that story because I think that easy and the or the easy and the safe thing to do would have been to go oh no I can't possibly 
you know, like I, how could I possibly do that? Particularly because as it sounds the way that you describe it, that it wasn't even on your radar before that. No, it, to- it totally wasn't. And I just think about like how incredible it is. Yeah. I, I would like to think that like, if that didn't happen, it was something that was meant to be in the, like another experience when it came around, but it just worked out so beautifully. And I still could have talked myself out after of like not taking the next step. But, mm. um, and I, I was someone who's like typically like scared and always nervous to make a decision, but I let myself get excited and follow what I was passionate about. And I think that was another thing about like having good role models on the trip of inspiring mm. me to like, it's, it's okay to be scared, but if you feel passionate and excited about something, it's, it's worth exploring. Yeah. Yeah, totally. Now, Sandy, you're a twin. Yes, I am. Yes, I'm a twin as well. Oh, okay, nice. Yeah. Now, however, it seems that you, so we are very different, me and my, my sister. And, you know, we're, we're, it's awesome, but we're very different. Mm-hmm. You and Ray appear to, like, share a lot of the similar passions and, and things like that. Now, when you were growing up, I've heard you just sort of say that you weren't, you didn't really identify as a runner. Was Ray different from that? Was Ray adventurous or was it, you know, how's that? Yeah, how how was that when you guys were both growing up? How different were you? It's really interesting to look back on because we've always been very similar. And yet, I think when we were younger, we were, we were on parallel but separate paths. Mm. Um, and that we had similarities, but like for some reason, like we just weren't meshing together. Like we were not close when we were younger. And I mm. think it's because we both had so much going on um like just like different like mental health issues and mm. it caused us to be separate when like looking back it's not like we should have connected over this and helped each other out but like we were too young to know and mm. so I think we both like kind of forgive forgave ourselves for that like it's just like, we were kids and like we didn't know how to deal with our emotions and stuff but at the same time like I think it ended up bringing us together as we got older because we had these experiences and we wanted to use some of the lessons that we learned and not our best experiences to use it in a way that, that serves others. Mm. Um, and so like now, like, even though like we, we do different things um, to an extent, actually she's a coach for higher running too, but she mm. also has a therapy business that like we really dedicated to, to using what we've learned to do our best to help others. Um, mm-hmm. But to go back to like running and stuff, because you mentioned that, like, you're right that um, when we were younger, we didn't identify as runners. But, you know, funny enough, we both loved running. Mm-hmm. Um, and we would, even though we were close, we kind of like push each, other, push, push each other to go on these like endurance runs. And so mm-hmm. even like when we were in middle school, we'd be going on like one to two hour runs like once a week. <sighs> And we just say it was training for like basketball or something. Um, but it's honestly like probably like the funnest thing we did together when we were younger was like we'd push each other to go on these runs and like everyone thought we were crazy because like no one did that where, where we lived. Like it's like yeah, why are yeah. you going to run for that long? So like it, it's really funny to look back on. Like I always loved running like more than like the other sports I did, but like it just it wasn't a thing to do where I grew up. Like we were various a team sports centered city. Mm. You must hear that a lot, and I hear it a lot from people that I work with. So as a nutritionist, I don't, you know, I'm, I'm not a, a running coach or anything like that, but when I'm asking people about the activity they do, they're often like, oh, yeah, I run, 
oh, I'm not a runner. Do you hear that a lot with people you work with? Uh, I do. Um, even, so I know, like, men would say that I identify that with, with that statement too, but I honestly hear it mostly from women. Mm. Um, and I can't tell you how many emails I used to get from women saying, am I fast enough to be coached by you? And that just killed me because they identified like their self-worth of, or their worthiness of having a coach by how fast they could run. Yeah. And so I think that's changing now. Um, but yeah, that was, that was always heartbreaking for me to hear, but it's also like such a great opportunity to have somebody reframe their mindset and be mm. like, you know, you know, if you want a coach and like you're paying for it, have whatever coach who has like open spaces, like it doesn't matter how fast you are at least like in my opinion like I don't have I, I'll coach whoever whoever yeah, like yeah. seems to like if we fit together like I don't care how fast somebody runs I'm a coach to like help people perform their best wherever they're at and hopefully they just enjoy it a ton along the way and Sandy like obviously you've always been um active were your parents active were they, were they the ones sort of pushing you into into sport growing up or was it just everyone just played sports so that's just what you did I think that that's kind of where I found a place to somewhat fit in. Um, mm. I wouldn't actually say it was my parents. Um, like my dad, he would coach some of like when we were little, um, like five or six or even a little bit older, he'd, he'd try to help out and coach some of like the teams we were on with other parents. Um, my mom is probably, she's honestly more athletic than my dad. Um, she's definitely yeah. like, um she'll still go on hikes and walks and stuff and she's definitely the one who got me in the outdoors and like my mom like she was great like like I could be wearing like a nice outfit and if I got dirty she wouldn't care or she would tell yeah, me yeah. to go play with the boys like she, she my mom was pretty tough and so she didn't care what I did um but I think honestly what got me into it is like three boys lived across the street from me and I just wanted mm -hmm. somebody to play with and they were like always playing different sports and like I, it was fun and so that was really like how I started playing sports um and it's just, it was fun to like be part of a group back then I guess like I just yeah I think I was always searching just for a way to fit in because I always felt like I didn't fit in um yeah so even though like I I think I focused too much on sports and limited myself in that way when I was younger because I think I was like always like okay I should be all in to fit in but like I mm. had other interests interests um that I could have explored more yeah where does it come from Sandy you're like you've, you've mentioned a few times that you don't you know you don't feel like you fit in like have you ever sort of thought about that like where that sort of thought originated from yeah, that, that, that is such a great question um I think it came from different family experiences it's not a reflection of my family at all everybody's always doing the mm. best they can but I think like it was hard for me when my parents got divorced um and like I was I was a really strange kid like like my sister was um, my twin sister. She was like daddy's girl, and my sister Amanda. She was always like with my mom, and I always had this yeah. dilemma of like which parent to go with. It's like I wanted mm. like I don't want to make anybody feel bad, and so like I need to make sure I split my time equally, even though if I want I want to be with the other parents because what their activity sounds funner. Um, but then I always kind of felt like okay, so and so is my dad's favorite. So and so is my mom's favorite. And I just mm -hmm. don't really fit in. And I think, like, it wasn't true. It's just something I thought when I was younger, and I repeated it to myself over and over again. Mm -hmm. And I realize that now. And I think 
then I brought that in to like school and social situations. And mm. I know a lot of people, I've heard this a lot from people, like they feel like they don't fit in. And something I've realized now is like, sometimes that's something I tell myself. And it's not necessarily true because everyone's different. Everyone's meant to be different. Yeah. Um, but it doesn't mean you don't fit in um, in a way. Like, I think everyone's meant to fit in somewhere, but you're also meant to be different in yourself while being in different social situations. And so it's it's partly like accepting myself for, for who I am and, mm. and being comfortable in whatever situation I go to, um, no matter what. Yeah, it's interesting that don't fit in space. It's sort of, and the stories that you tell yourself, right? Because particularly when we're young, and I often reflect back on just a couple of sort of key things that a couple of adults in my life that weren't necessarily close, but that I had um, sort of relationships with. And, you know, I can even sort of say verbatim the things that they said to me, which really sort of changed my thinking about myself you know and now mm-hmm. here I am at like my mid-40s and I still think about it and it's yep. those brain the the pathways in your brain just get really well sort of oiled if you like on that thought pattern that it takes a lot of work to to tell yourself a different story and that is something I hear you talk about all of your time in in your YouTube videos, which is one of the reasons why I love it. Not only do you get to show me like Colorado and Boulder and, and how beautiful it is there. Um, you're always really open about, you know, your frame of mind and what you're going through and also how to sort of get through something and how you deal with it, which oftentimes, you know, it's all about mindset. You totally just made my day for saying that because that is really how, how I hope to come across and that you picked up on that. It really means the world to me right now. So thank you so much for saying that. Um. Totally, Sandy. It's so obvious. And I think that's one of the, that's just one of the best things about seeing someone like you being so open with the fact that, yeah, you you live in one of the most amazing places in the world and you have what people could experience, could say is like, uh, no one's got a dream life. That is, you know, and obviously we all know that, but to be able to sort of live through and um and live through your running and and um do what you love is is something that we all you know in, anyone would want to be able to do yet you also you know you share the bits that aren't easy and that you know and how you feel about them and then how you work through them and I think that's a skill that not a lot of people have and I imagine you must bring that to your coaching and really help your um athletes as well sort of you know, make that sort of shift with mindset. And I've been thinking a lot about mindset this year. I've read um, Dina Castor's book, Let Your Mind Run. Oh, it's amazing, right? And what you were just saying, like with her book, like she shows how to apply it. And that's why I like, out of other mindset books, I love the practicality of how she wrote that book. I totally agree. Sandy, obviously that sliding doors moment, you had to be brave to sort of take that step were people surprised around you? You know, like you were sort of almost choosing to do something to to almost be a different person in that one moment. Did that surprise the people close to you that you wanted to do that? You mean like just choose the adventure route? Yeah. Um, that's a really good question. I don't know if people were surprised. Mm. Um, I think they thought it was an interesting route and they weren't sure I was going to make it. 
and I wasn't sure I was going to make it. And there was definitely a couple years where it's like, this isn't working out. Um, yeah, and actually, that's that's actually probably something good to talk about is, you know, I moved to Colorado and I felt pretty comfortable like the first year, but then like I I moved to Boulder because um, I met Sage and I had a I was really struggling to live in Boulder the first year and which is interesting because in in the U.S. like Boulder is known as like it's t- well it's typically rated as like one of the happiest cities in the U.S. Yeah. And so, like, I was struggling in one of the happiest cities in the U.S., which is, like, it was a weird situation. But, like, I couldn't find, like, work I was passionate about. And so, like, mm. it's also a very wealthy place to live. Um, mm. um, and so, like, I like here I am, like, broke and unhappy in Boulder, Colorado. Um, and it took me a while to get out of that situation and to really, like, reframe things. And, yeah, I, that's, like, another, like, kind of like a moment um, when I was living here where somebody just asked me to coach them and they mm. believed in me where I, like there was a door and I could say yes or no and I wasn't sure if I should believe in myself to say yes but I did because it just sparked this excitement and joy in me so it's like okay I'm going to coach you and that really sparked my entire business right now and, and yeah. the business I'm obviously like very passionate about yeah yeah for sure because as you know as I understand it you were you packed up after college in a car and just drove over yeah. to Colorado I, I believe and, and please correct me if that is not correct and then sort of lived out of your car for a, a few good months as you sort of explored the area and sort of tried to find a bit of a I don't know maybe find your feet a little bit but that was before you then moved to Colorado and was it oh sorry Boulder and that's when you started kind of going oh my goodness you know what's going on that, yeah that you know right? you know what's right? funny is like it was easier for me to like live out of my car and camp for months than to like live in boulder and not like feeling like i had a purpose um yeah. now don't get me wrong like i was not used to camping in the mountains with bears and mountain lions and so i was terrified the first time like i slept in a tent and it was like oh my god a bear is gonna come up and start circling my tent and I was like in tears like those first couple nights but then I loved it um and like looking out from the outside people were like mm. okay this this woman has nothing going on she's like living on her tent trying to figure out what to do I feel like now like it's becoming more acceptable but like 10 years ago a lot of people thought I was crazy um mm. but to like go back a little bit I did have a job that I came out for, I ended up deciding it wasn't the right fit. And so that's kind of how I ended up living out of my car and camping for a couple months. Um, mm. And then eventually, like, and this had always been on the back of my mind is to apply for an AmeriCorps position. And AmeriCorps um, was, it's basically this government, I'm not sure I'm going to say this right, but it is like the government providing like, job providing a year of service to like a nonprofit. And so I ended mm. up getting selected for um, this AmeriCorps position at the Boys and Girls Club, which is like an after school program for kids where they can go after school, they can get homework help, they can have different activities. And so I did that for um ended up being almost two years in a very small town um of mm. Buena Vista, Colorado, although I was actually living in Salida, Colorado for part of the time. But there's like very mm. small mountain towns in Colorado and I still like adore those areas. It, um and if you like watch my YouTube videos, I have many videos from Salida and Buena Vista area. 
Yeah, yeah. And what is your and were you you were obviously running at the time, Sandy? Was that sort of were you like going to different races? Like how how was your running sort of progressing over your sort of college years post sort of doing your um big trip? Um, so, so like the running in Colorado was like so much better than running in Ohio. Though I do appreciate some of the trails in Ohio now, but like I could run trails from my doorstep and like every direction like I can pick a different route and go up a different mountain and that I loved but I also like I, you know I was working this job I was living in high altitude for the first time and I was way too motivated and I just was running a ton um mm. and I I didn't know as much as I know now and I was just I was actually pretty overtrained and like not sleeping enough and I wasn't adjusting to the altitude because of all of that and so even though like I like I had a lot of great trail runs, my racing like definitely went downhill for a few years um, mm. because of all those things. Yeah. Did you have a coach at the time or mentors or people that helped guide you? I kind of I would sometimes talk to like the people I met from impossible to possible. Um, but otherwise, like I got in the bad habit of just following people on social media and oh, yeah. seeing what they're going to do. Um, and of course, like back then, like a lot of people are just running like really high mileage and yeah. I was not ready for that. Like my yeah. body held up. I was just tired. Mm, mm. Do you know, it's funny. I was, um, I, I may have mentioned this, or not to you, but, um, before on the podcast that, um, I got super inspired by the movie. I, I want to say it's called Unbreakable. And there were these, yes. you know, four runners and they were all training for, I can't, gosh, I'm very vague on the details, but um, uh, for, I, I want to say it's either Leadville or Hard Rock or. I got you. Unbreakable as Western States. Thank you. Thank you. And then I'm like, oh, this is amazing. Look at them. Look at how much they're just out there running all day. Then I Google like all of them and like chronic fatigue, no longer running, uh, you know, like so that, so I appreciate what you're saying with, you know, it's very easy to look on social media and see these people doing this, these amazing, what appears to be amazing feats, but not necessarily um, uh, for the benefit of their sort of longevity in the sport. Not that all of them are out of the sport now, but it just, yeah, it's easy to get caught up in it. Well, I do think like all of them, like, or most of them ended up taking like down periods. Um, and that's oh, kind of sure. what it, like, yeah, like, and that's what happens. Um, and that's, but you know, even though I have that experience too, I'm, I'm almost, I don't want to say it's like that happy it happened, but at the same time, like I'm a better coach because of it. Um, and I'm like, I feel pretty confident in talking people out of those situations where they're tempted to do too much. And, but sometimes as a coach, I also realize like I can't control everything. And sometimes mm. people just have to go that route and see for themselves. And it's, um, as much as like I try to talk them out of it, like I can't. And so there are, have been times where I've seen people like do more than they should because of just seeing other people. And it's like, you know, I can, help you as much as I can I can be the compass but I can't steer your shit um, oh, totally. that's something I remind myself of every now and then but normally I am pretty good at like being a voice of reason when it's tempting to do too much yeah and I totally appreciate what you're saying when you know your experience has given you that sort of knowledge to be able to then you know share that with your with your athletes because it is really sort of part of that kind of life journey that sort of then informs how we 
might coach people or what we tell people about like if you don't have that experience yourself then you can only sort of speculate or look from the outside at someone else's sort of experience to be able to share with people exactly and I think that's kind of like the fun thing about like still like trying to compete myself and being a coach at the same time where it's very Mm. easy to relate so as I get older I'm trying to like write down and like remember everything now so like if I'm ever not competing as much like I can still coach people to the best of my ability yeah now Sandy as I understand it you had a pretty major injury maybe a couple of years ago where one of the health professionals basically said Sandy I think it's all over for your running you're going to have to try and find something else can you sort of describe that experience and then what happened and then sort of how you initially responded to that sort of idea that running wasn't for you so this is actually been a very long journey um over eight years so but like Mm. I you were talking about experience that happened two years ago but to backtrack I had Achilles issues for a really long time like eight plus years and I don't I'm losing track of time and I'm not good at remembering dates but it's like five or six years ago I had my first Achilles surgery Mm. um and it helped a little bit but not that much and after a while like seeing like physical therapists and stuff they're like you can keep running through it um like the rest doesn't seem to be helping you either so you know I just kind of got used to ignoring the pain um Mm. but it was definitely hurting me like it like like even though they said like it's okay to like run through it um I feel like it just ended up really throwing my form off and then I was always kind of worried to take those first couple steps in my run. Like, it was kind of stressful. It definitely took away some of the joy from running. Um, mm. But sometimes I could block it out. And so, and I'm, like, sometimes too motivated and too good at blocking pain out. And so, you know, I trained through it. Sometimes my Achilles held me back in races. Sometimes I could totally block it out for a race and I had a really good race. But then a couple years ago... I was like, I just, I can't do this anymore. It's too mentally taxing to have to deal with this. And it also felt like it was kind of getting worse. Um, and so I went back and got MRIs done and went to see multiple doctors. And like the one doctor through my insurance company, and this is after like having other doctors say, okay, this guy's better. This guy's better. Go see him. And so mm-hmm. I go see like this like main doctor who is used to doing surgeries. He took a look at my MRIs like, this looks really bad. You should just pick a different sport. He's like, mm. I could do these two other like major, major surgeries. And he's like, but you'll probably still never run. Um, like it's good again. Um, and I didn't like that opinion. Yeah. <laughs> I definitely like yeah. had a moment after where like I sat in my car and just like was in tears. Like, Oh my God, like this is like the worst news ever. And mm. then um, I was driving home and it's like, you know, let's get a different opinion. Um, and so there's, um, CU medicine here, like right in Boulder, like it's like mm-hmm. a mile away from where I live. And so they have some, um, doctors who are, who are really used to working with athletes. And I got the second opinion. Actually, this is probably like the third opinion. Um, and he's like, you know, you should really try this treatment called shockwave or EPAT therapy. Mm. Um, he's like, it might not work, but it, it could you've tried everything else I would highly suggest you at least try this before having this major surgery done and so Mm. I tried it and I actually typically like some people just do one round of it I ended up doing two rounds over the course of like a few months and it was like a it was a miracle 
Uh, so what does it do, Sandy? What's uh, Can you describe to us? It basically stimulates your tendon to start healing again. Mm-hmm. Um, so if you think of, I had a long-term chronic injury. I think I was running, my body got so used to having it where it's like, okay, I'm not going to put energy towards healing and reconstructing you anymore. Even though like that's what our body should be continually doing. It's like sometimes yeah. it breaks down, but it should build back up where I think my body is kind of like, not going to waste our energy healing your Achilles anymore. And so like this re-stimulated that healing process. Um, mm-hmm. And so like, yeah, it allowed my Achilles to get stronger again. Um, but with that said, so I did that. My Achilles felt great. But all those years of like running through pain, it really hurt my motor patterns for running. And so what's mm-hmm. almost more frustrating than being in pain is like my Achilles felt good. And then like, I felt like I couldn't get both my legs to work the same way because I was just like so used to like overcompensating. And so that's been like another journey to get through. Um, and I'm really like, it's, it's only like just started getting like, where I feel really good running again. I feel like mm. both my legs are like working out. They're supposed to, but it, it's yeah. been a really long journey. Um, but I, I kind of love the journey because at the beginning of it, I was very, I identified too much with my performance. Um, yeah. Like I started running because of the adventure and because I loved it. And then I was really hard on myself about wanting to perform a certain way. Mm. And, you know, which is, it's easy to do, especially in a place like Boulder where there's competitive and really good athletes all around. And mm-hmm. instead of like having people or using those people as motivation for me to get better, like in all aspects of my life, like I was just comparing myself. Mm-hmm. Um, but throughout this entire process, it gave me a lot of time to work on that and, and how I wanted to be running again. And what really sparks my joy with running is like, I love, I love being at races and I love racing, but I have to always put my adventure and fun first. And mm-hmm. I realize like I can do that in a race situation still. Like a race yeah. can be fun. It can be a big adventure. And I know from like the past, whenever I went into a race, just like wanting to have fun, wanting to have a good adventure. That's actually when I did the best. And so, yeah. you know, I think in the past coaches would say like those, those things don't go hand in hand, but now it's obvious to me that they do. Mm-hmm. Um, and I love that. Like a lot of coaches are starting to pick up on that. And it's also like a great for longevity. It's great for happiness, not only in running, but throughout your life. So it's, it's fun to be in a place where I can spread that message message where like joy and running well can and should always go hand in hand. Absolutely. And you do such a great job of that. And as you were talking, I was thinking about, you know, I work with a lot of triathletes with their nutrition and they are, you know, age groupers who have reached a point in their life where they may be married with children, they're successful in their career. And like the next thing for them to do is to go and do like an Ironman. It's it's almost like a next step in, you know, the um, path of their life. And it's, very serious and it's you know all attention is sort of focused on you know getting maximal power on the bike putting together the three components to then go and you know have the race of their life qualify for Kona and and along the way you do lose joy in a lot of the process you know because you get so focused on that outcome which 
means that sort of when you know if an injury occurs or you don't get a very good race under your belt then not only you sort of get you get quite anxious about that racing situation but you lose a lot of the reason why you sort of picked it up in the first place and, and got into the sport I see it lots exactly it, it, it happens way too much and that's the thing like I see all the time too um but it's it can be fun to help people reframe that and yeah you know what I say a lot it's like sometimes like if you notice like you're not feeling well and it could just be like going into a negative place sometimes you just need to take that moment to stop and listen to yourself because so many people mm. don't do that that you you know you're going down like this bad trend and like it's yeah. becoming less fun and you're getting stressed out about it and it doesn't feel good and so like when you start not feeling good for too long that's always a sign to like stop and be like what's the better thought here how do I reframe this and that's something that I tell my athletes it's probably really annoying and I annoy myself with it too is like Take that moment to stop when you're not feeling good and be like, okay, well, what's a better thought that I can start to like feel better? And how can I build momentum off of those good thoughts? Absolutely. And I think in one of your most recent videos, you talked about an experience on a trail where previous to that experience, you'd had some bad news in your family. And, it, it, you know, so the last time you were on that trail, it was it was a it was an emotional time for you it was a really sad sort of time and and you acknowledge that it's actually you know it's absolutely fine to feel that way but it's also really good that you can then sort of you know focus on having a different more positive experience and and not moving on from it acknowledging it yet and giving it space yet and and it's okay to feel better and it's okay to have more positive experiences and thoughts exactly and so like I I lost my sister last year and like I really was being like okay it's normal to grieve and go down that route and I wasn't unhappy but I definitely felt like I lost some of my joy for life mm. and you know then I it took a while for me to like realize like stop to think about this and mm. choose something better like it took months um or like most of the year almost mm. um but then I was obviously always gonna feel bad like like my heart broke when my sister died but at the same time like anybody who loves me you know here on this earth or who already passed away I know wants me to be happy and just mm. get so much out of this life and even though like this really sad thing happened um and it really hurt me there's so much in this life to enjoy and there mm. I I still have so many good people around me. I created a life that I, I truly love. And yeah, like, so, you know, I can still be sad, but put a lot of my attention on things that bring me joy. And honestly, like through this whole process, I almost feel like my sister who passed away is like just so proud of me. And she's like, yes, this yeah. is what I wanted for you. Yeah. Um, and so even though like there's still some grieving there, like I, I feel really good about yeah Sandy you're you know you've got a real presence online like you sort of sit in a really like quite a public space and you share a lot did that help you through the last year or did you feel some sort of anxiety and pressure around around that so or or have you not really thought about it but I was you know I'm really interested to sort of you know how you negotiate that sort of space that's another really good question um I honestly think it more came to me feeling more motivated to do it because YouTube when I started out it was something like 
my my partner Sage had kind of influenced me to do. But it was a really, really hard space for me. Um, and actually, kind of going back to like things you can remember from when we were kids. Like I remember this girl in eighth grade telling me I was a waste of space because I didn't talk enough. Because that's how that's how shy I was and how much social anxiety I had. Where I just like I would literally like not talk because I was too afraid to say anything. And so when I first started YouTube, like I remember Sage trying to get me to do a YouTube video, and I was just in tears. I'm like, this is mm. this is not a good place for somebody with social anxiety. Mm. Uh, but I also had I think over the past few years, and I kind of like developed this want to overcome it. Um, like I felt like maybe I could say something that would help people. And I knew maybe overcoming my fear of speaking in public is something I could overcome. And YouTube was, was a good place for me to do it in a way that was not comfortable, but it, it was easier than like getting up in front of a large audience right away. Um, Cause yeah, as you know, you like edit things out, which is kind of nice sometimes when I do it. Yeah. Um, quite a bit because I still stumble over my words all the time or yeah things just don't come out right because I'm overthinking it but I, I think it, it really came from that where where you know you realize like things happen and you just I got motivated to like really want to explore my potential in this life and overcome fears and well at least try to overcome um, things that were holding me back and also try to help people along the way and so that's why I kind of got motivation to start posting on YouTube more consistently Mm, mm. and I I get a real sense well one of I think authentic and genuine uh, people say that they're overused words but I mean that's exactly what I feel when I'm like watching something that you put up Sandy you know you really don't despite the number of edits that you you know might or might not do like you you are a very real presence online and that's you know when there are so many other people out there in the same space but you, it, it's much more and this is I don't know how this will sound, but I'll say, you know, much more curated, much more sort of produced. It feels like you're being told us, not told a story, but, you know, you're, you're getting a side that they want you to show, that they want you to see. Whereas with you, you're, you're very like, this is how it is, regardless of the fact it took you 15 times to sort of, you know, take the tape to, to show us how it is. But that's, yeah. sort of, that, that's what, um, I think you're very successful with that. The other thing, I notice about you and Sage as well. And this I noticed last year when I think I went online and um, bought a couple of your programs is that you're very accessible. And as I understand it, obviously you need to build a career from this and, you know, you need to like pay your bills and stuff, but you certainly don't put yourself in this. We're only for high, we're only high end. Like I get a real sense of service from higher running and, and, and what you provide sort of what inspired that and what sort of motivated you down that path because of course with both of you you could easily given your profiles do it in quite a different way and be successful in a different way I think yeah so service that's definitely one of our core qualities and like that's something everybody who's part of higher running knows is like if service first because if mm. when we're not like people can tell that like yeah. like if we're just in it for the money people are gonna know that but if I, I truly believe like if if you want to be a service to people, you're going to get the best of both worlds. You're going to get a loyal following and hopefully a successful company because people realize that you care. So that that's a really big value for, it's just a value of, of our company. And I think I always had that 
in me. But part of the reason like our plans are so affordable is because, you know, I started out ultra running when I was in college and I had a really hard time just affording race fees for ultras, let alone mm. like travel and shoes and hydration packs. Like people think running's a cheap sport, but when you get into ultra running or trail running, that's not always true. Yeah. Um, it can, especially just race fees. Like it was, it was really hard. Um, and like for one race, like I sold my bike to get in it. Um, just so I could go down. And so like, I always, like we have different levels. Like that's why we have our one-on-one coaching. It's also why we have really affordable plans because I never want anybody to feel left out. And if somebody was like, really had no money to spare, like we give peace away. Like it's yeah. fine. Like we, we're yeah. here to help. And, and that, like, that's just following our passion too. Like we really love what we do. Um, and we love talking about running and so it's just a joy for us to be able to follow our passion and and to help as many people as we can and hopefully that have them become passionate about running as well yeah no I absolutely love that and I totally agree with you that running isn't cheap the only people that say running is cheap are not runners I think exactly (laughs) yeah um oh and my sister who cannot believe what I spend on race values when she's like Oh my goodness! That you paid that to run that distance? <laughs> what? Like very different. Um, Sandy, you and Sage together as well. Like, how long have you been together now? About eight and a half, coming up on nine years. So yeah, it's, it's been a hot minute now. <laughs> and um, how long have you been in the biz together? Oh, um, probably seven-ish, maybe eight years. Mm. So like it's mm. probably like only a year, year and a half to two years. Probably like a year and a half after we started dating. Yeah, kind of like um, so just kind of doing a little bit of coaching, and that woman had asked me to coach, and I kind of just had the idea of like we should just combine forces. Like I think yeah. we'd work, we'd work well together, and so that's kind of how it took off. Yeah, and obviously eight years later, your initial thought that it could work well together was obviously correct because (laughs) you're still working together and living together and and you've actually addressed that I believe in a YouTube channel like how you managed to live in a studio apartment work together but also you know um, have a successful I, I suppose business relationship and relationship relationship like it can't always be easy no I I'm pretty open to the extent about that um where it is hard sometimes. Um, and I honestly think sometimes in the summer it's easier because we go on mountain trips a lot. And so yeah. it's easier to like separate work um, from our relationship at times. Um, it's also sometimes like I've been very open, like sometimes it'd be nice to have a door to like an office where like, <laughs> and just put it like a sign on and be like, I'm working right now. Don't bug me for a little bit. <laughs> Cause I'm definitely somebody like I like, it, it helps me to be creative and focused when I just like lock myself in a room. Um, but Sage is always ready to talk, which is not my, not my personality. And so like, there's a balance sometimes and um, trying to be good about that. It, it, sometimes it works out where like he is a night owl and I'm not necessarily a morning bird, but I would definitely wake up like hours earlier from him. And so it kind of does create like this natural mm-hmm. time where we have to ourselves. Um, and technically like we're in a studio um so we're still together but one person is sleeping so we can kind (laughs) of pretend we're by ourselves for a little bit but 
it definitely has its challenging aspects and it's something that um it's just like continual work in progress as it should be um because yeah. i don't i feel like we're never going to be the same people and i never want to be the same per- person i was a few years ago so we're always changing and mm-hmm. hopefully we're always growing together and doing it in a, in a positive yeah. way so yeah yeah totally yeah no i love that and um that you know you're you've got that shared passion for running and and see my husband he's an avid trail runner as as well and I say as well to be fair I'm relatively new to trail I'm much more like I love road running and I know that sounds well road runners can appreciate that but I love I love them both I'm just a little bit gammy on the trails but I'm beginning to like uh sort of as I get older it's much more forgiving to go out on a trail because you can walk which is <laughs> yeah. whereas if you're if you're walking during a road run you're just feeling like oh, I really should not be out here <laughs> um but you're you seem to be each other's big supporters which is which is so great to see Sandy Sage had a health scare earlier this year how was that like what actually happened and how did you how did you discover that he was having his you know that he had pulmonary yes that's correct is that yeah is that right yes it's really a crazy story um and now we heard tons of stories from people since that like it's it's not that uncommon um but what happened is like they just he started experiencing kind of like chest pains and so Mm. after all it's probably like took him a few weeks where he experiencing this pain where he went in saw a doctor got an x-ray on his chest and they're like oh you have pneumonia and so mm-hmm. we thought it was pneumonia for about a month and after a while like mm-hmm. it kind of seemed like sage is getting better but then he kind of had a relapse and like so like a month after me that first scan he woke up and he's like wow my chest really hurts and i'm like well you should go to the er then and so we went to the er um mm-hmm. i think it was the end of may and first they just like I don't know. I still thinking like is pneumonia or anything is not that bad. And they just start running like test after test after test on them. And then we were both kind of like freaking out. It's like they wouldn't be running this many tests if something wasn't like serious. Mm-hmm. But luckily, like on that day, they found out he had um, blood clots um, in both his lungs, and so yeah, pulmonary embolism. But good news is, so like he was on blood thinners for three months. He's been off blood thinners mm-hmm. for, I think over two weeks now um which is exciting for Sage because mm-hmm. he gets his life back or he can at least do like mountain stuff yeah. and like the really good news we just got a couple days ago is he did some genetic testing unfortunately like, the order got screwed up so they didn't do all the tests they were supposed to but they did the two big tests that are like most common for like mm. um genetic testings for for these types of issues and they came back negative mm-hmm. which is awesome that is great um and so there's still like we're not gonna know what caused this, and that's what all the doctors said. Have said like we will probably never know what caused it, and there's always that fear it's gonna happen again. But to know like you know this is definitely a sign where he doesn't have to go back on blood thinners, um, and so Sage can play in the mountains because when he's on blood thinners, like he's very worried or not supposed to go in the mountains and do rocky terrain because if you hit your head, um, that could be very serious and life-threatening so he couldn't get hurt on blood thinners um so now like he's doing mountain stuff again and he's really happy about that there's still like a little unknown he definitely had scarring in his lungs from the blood clots 
and we don't know exactly how that's going to resolve, but he's starting to build back his trading now. Um, and we'll see how it goes. Yeah. Yeah. And I, like, I can't imagine how frightening that might've must've been at the time where you were just unsure of what it was, but then to get the diagnosis and then sort of how long it might take to resolve and get back to doing what he loved, like, and also you obviously as his, um, not wife, um, there beside him sort of living through it. Like it's, it's always hard when you get those experiences. Yeah. Well, I think like, you know, he had like blood clots for a month and we were just like, we found him, we're like, oh my God, you've been walking around with these white clots for a month. Like you could have died at any moment. And so there's definitely some gratitude from that, but it, it has been a struggle for Sage to like go through this entire process because he's so used to being healthy mm. and like not having any mm. issues where this is like a real challenge for him that he hasn't had before. Um, but he is like naturally like a very positive and energetic person, yeah, yeah. And so he he's handled it pretty well. Um, yeah, it, it hasn't been easy, but like he, it has been nice that like he never like went into the, like this deep hole. Like he just has that like kind of like natural positive outlook on things. Yeah, yeah. No, that's obviously going to be much more helpful than sort of the glasses half empty type uh, exactly personality. Um, Sandy, you enjoy a beer, am I right? I do. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. I love, okay. So I've been to Boulder once and uh, for a conference in 2016 and what is the main street called beginning with Pearl street? There you go. Pearl street. And I remember having a beer on Pearl street. And so I love <laughs> seeing you guys like go out and about, um, favorite beer. Oh, I can't choose in Boulder. <laughs> There's too many. Oh, but actually, so like it's fall here now. So it's like pumpkin season now. Oh Yeah. I can't, it's like the Atomic Pumpkin. Sage is going to be like, how do you not know the name of this? But there's a really good pumpkin beer that comes out every year, and it's probably my favorite. Is it like a stout? Is it a, no. is it an IPA? Is it a... No, I wouldn't call it that. It's, I don't know. I'm not, Sage is going to laugh at me. Actually, you know <laughs> what? Maybe it is an IPA, because normally I don't yeah. like IPAs, but I think this one is like such strong pumpkin and spice flavor where I actually like yeah. it. So you're yeah. right. Maybe it's an IPA. I can just see is, Sage laughing at me now. Sorry for the name. Is he sponsored by a beer company? He, Am I right about that? He is. Um, so oh. here in Boulder, there's Avery Brewing, and it's actually like one of the bigger craft beer companies in Boulder. So he's sponsored by them. That is a life goal of mine. To <laughs> I love it. Yeah. <laughs> I need to reach out to our breweries here. I think that's my next step. Um. Any podcasts you listen to, Sandy? What inspires and motivates you? I listen to a variety of podcasts. I've been listening to yours. Um, I really oh. enjoyed the one with like Ruth Croft. Um, oh, cool. She had a good some insight. Um, I listen to Ritual a lot. Um, mm. Let me think. I've been listening to like um, the Pillars podcast with Dylan Bowman, but he also has like a segment with um, three women that kind of mm. like talk together, and that's been fun um yeah I don't know I, I just I browse through so many podcasts like a lot of them yeah, are yeah. running but it is fun to like get outside of running and think a little bit differently too yeah totally I totally agree because so much of and I and I know that you'll probably agree with me listen to me I'm so positive about this um but you know you take so many lessons from running and they, they transfer to life but equally a lot of what you hear outside with other things can equally transfer to sort of running and how you feel about it and how you perform and, and things like that. That's what, you know, it's the 
joy of kind of being a lifelong learner, which I kind of feel you sort of, that's what you do and that's what you are. Exactly. Yeah, that, that's perfect way to say it. And like, I do have that intention very much, just to learn and grow as much as possible. Yeah, nice, Andy. Well, thank you for your time. There are so many other things that I could ask you, but I feel like this is probably like a nice place for um, us to finish up. And I'm respectful of the fact that it's, you know, Thursday afternoon, you've probably got, you know, plans to write. <laughs> yeah, um, that's true. <laughs> so very good luck for your race coming up. Is it the Broken Arrow? Is that the one? That's... It is. Yep. Yeah, Broken Arrow. Awesome. Awesome. Well, I hope you go out and have like you know a fantastic time and um i look forward to seeing your next youtube video about it oh thank you well if you ever come to boulder again let me know we'll have a beer we'll go for a trail run i would absolutely love that and i i just love talking to you and your insight and how kind and, and passionate you are so it's a really pleasure to have like such like this type of conversation with you so thank you so much for having me on oh thank you sandy and i am so holding you to that like legit oh for <laughs> the sure beer I, would, and boulder. I would love that all right team hope you enjoyed that as much as I did it was such a pleasure to chat to Sandy and I really am looking forward to sort of what higher running has in store in the coming years and seeing how her and Sage sort of build their selves back up in Saladina as well. Next week on the podcast, I'm thrilled to bring to you my conversation with Lou Heller, who is a personal stylist actually, but she and I work in a very similar industry of transformation. And so we talk all about that in Lou's own transformation next week. Until then though, you can find me over on Facebook at Mickey Willardin Nutrition, on Instagram and Twitter, at Mickey Willardin or over on my website mickeywillardin.com where you can book an individual consultation or sign up to any one of my meal plans that are directly created to help you improve your sport performance or lose body fat or give yourself a little bit of a keto longevity reset or just help you make better decisions around the food so you don't have to do the thinking for yourself. That is over on my website mickeywillardin.com. All right, team, have a great week. See you later.